Previously on Accidentally on Purpose. You said he was the Messiah. You said he was invincible. You said it was all over. They were all going to get boat. There's like over 180 countries involved in all this stuff where they're monopolizing all the resources, all the labor in the country through the central banking system, okay? And that enslaves the whole country through debt. Well, I have a couple of little toughies, and I have some that are just maybe too nice, if there's such a thing. But I haven't really, I'll let you know in about 18 years. I'm going to have it figured out. They're all very young. A little boy named Joseph from Ivanka. We are Moonanites from the inner core of the moon. You said it right! Our race is hundreds of years beyond your... I'm sick of all these witches and warlocks and pumpkin popsums and... People of Earth, how are you? Hey now. Hey now. Betrayal. Bazinga. Bazinga. Broadcasting live. To tape from the new Society Show Theater in the most standoffish city in the world outside of Austria. Seattle, Washington. I'm listening. Yeah, you know the intro. I'm going to get th- I'm kind of rushing through it today. So I will be joined very shortly by Tim Pool Clips. That's Tim Pool Clips on Twitter. If you're not familiar, it's a Twitter account that documents uh, the claims that the internet personality Tim Pool is making. It's a great conversation, but I'll be straight up. We recorded it right in the middle of when people were storming the Capitol. So I wanted to record a short intro. But first, but first, but first, but first, but first, but first. Before we get to the conversation, to kind of highlight my thoughts on the situation. So I just want to really emphasize that Obviously, the police were collaborating with the protesters. The police barely resisted, and, I mean, they used way less force than they do against left-wingers. Everyone knows that. I've seen right-wingers perfectly acknowledge this. They totally get it. And police were taking selfies with the protesters. You know, there's the viral clip of cops literally letting protesters through the gate. And considering all this, I just really want to emphasize, like, it was not a failure of the police. It was enabled by the police. All that being said, I got my little spiel out of the way. Please welcome Tim Pool Clips to the show. We're going to learn a lot about Tim Pool, a lot about internet media. This is The Society Show. My name is Christian. It's morning here, and but I am joined with someone who it's evening there. Come again. I am joined by at Tim Pool Clips on Twitter. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Definitely. I, I wanted to ask a lot about Tim Pool. I, I'm just going to get into it and um, because he does interest me a lot. But So just to start out, I imagine some people listening are fully aware of Tim Pool, but if people avoid YouTube, it's very possible they've never even heard of him. So who is Tim Pool? Well, uh, I often say to people who in my replies and my mentions, they're like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. Um, I would probably, I would probably give the, the the people, those people, and the people who are listening the same advice: is that if you don't know who he is, it's probably best that you keep it that way. Um, he is a uh, a political commentator who claims to be uh, a centre left, moderate left sort of person in, in the in the same vein as someone uh, like Dave Rubin before Dave Rubin uh, came out to the world and admitted that he was actually a conservative. Um, who he Tim Pool? He came up during Occupy. Uh, Occupy Wall Street. He started streaming there, uh, and that led to eventually a gig at uh, Vice for a few years. Then he went to another company, Fusion, which is, uh, I believe, owned by Disney. 
uh, and he was a pretty pretty had a pretty big job there um and then from there he morphed to he morphed to independent and about to to, to start his uh, to youtube uh where he went independent and then since then he's just been growing and growing and growing particularly since he was invited onto joe rogan in uh 2019 early 2019 about two times uh on, on one of those appearances he quizzed the ceo of twitter and the head of legal which gave him a massive boost because he put a lot of these sort of uh right-wing and conservative conspiracies forward to the to the to to, uh, to, to the ceo of twitter jack dorsey and then yes yeah, since then he's become the most viewed uh, right-wing commentator on YouTube, independent right-wing commentator on YouTube, based on monthly views, and it's not even close. Uh, he was in over the summer. He sort of achieved that status. He was getting a hundred over a hundred million views each month, which is more than double people like Stephen Crowder, people like PragerU, people like far more than people like Dave Rubin, all those different voices. He was just dominating them because he has these three different YouTube channels and eventually he's going to have a, a fourth one. Um, but there's, he, there, he releases videos on one of them. He releases videos on um, uh, sort of main video, I think around 4 p.m. Eastern time. And then on the other channels, he releases videos at three different points well sorry two different points during the day he used to release it he used to release five different videos and then his final channel is uh it's called timcast irl that's a podcast channel and there he has about two to four hours of interviews with guests and interactions with with his co-hosts who also live with him on on a big compound that he has bought now for them and where they all live together and that is, I think, uh, a short summary of him. Although, of course, we can dig down um, much deeper into into various aspects of that as as this goes on. I want to talk about his beliefs, but I do want to like flesh out a picture of his content, like in his kind of like style. So you say he has three different YouTube channels. So how long are Tim Pool videos, and what is the typical structure of one of his shows because i will say i i've listened to tim pool a little bit you know out of curiosity see what he's saying um but i've only really listened to his um long form podcast i've never watched any of his shorter videos so w- what is the overall format of his content he has got so on his on the on this tim pool channel uh, that he releases about one video a day on that those videos are, tend to be around 25 minutes in length and then the Timcast, which is his second channel, uh, those videos tend to be about in between 10 and 25 minutes long. Uh, and then again, I said that the podcast one's two to four hours. And so in the main one, he's looking, he normally does on the Tim Pool channel, he does a, he looks at a big story of the day and sometimes other stories as well. And he sort of goes into depth into that story, giving, basically reading articles written by other people, uh, often badly and uh, sometimes realising halfway through the article that the point he thinks the article makes is not, in fact, the point the article makes, and also sometimes realising he's completely messed up his research. Um, and, and But then he'll, he'll often just go with that, and there's very rarely cuts unless he says something, I, don't, I suppose it's supremely wrong or something like that, because uh, it's, it's incredibly rare to see him ever cut anything. And then on his Tim Carl's RL channel, it's normally focused on about once on, on those things are normally focused on about one story and again just g- giving his opinions on the news and again badly reading something that someone else has written and then the tim cast rl show it's uh, it's it, it's very sometimes it's when he brings on left-wing people who he's really had only about two which is the youtube uh, streamer vosh and then a destiny who i believe is a twitch streamer but i think i don't know if he's been departed or if he's left twitch but he had those on and he he debated in a more with them a bit more of a debate debate slash discussion format um but otherwise on that podcast it's a bit of a discussion format framed often around specific stories and he yes when I, so in in the summer uh, again i was in i think about june july i wanted to get a handle of what sort of sources he was using for those channels so i sat down and i watched every single video he released over the course of about 2 months and uh which was ended up being 336 videos i believe and in those videos he he had about he displayed about 800 sources over 800 sources i should say on screen and i i wrote down sort of the name of each source and then the the political leaning of the source 
uh, which I, I got from a from a, from a different website, MediaBiasFactCheck.com, I believe it's called. And based on that, I was able to find that over, or I should say, fifty nine percent of the sources, fifty nine percent of the sources he shows on screen that he uses were right wing sources, despite his claims of being centre left. And his top sources included. Uh, his top source was the Daily Mail, and again, it was it was very much a favourite source of his. Um, and then I'm trying to trying to remember off the top of my head. I believe it was Fox News, and then following this, uh, it was the New York Times. Although the reason that was so high up there is because he he will if he brings a, a and again, there's a whole discussion about whether the New York Times is obviously left wing. Uh, that's I'm I'm only basing that off the the other website because if I off this independent website because if I was to sort of put what I thought these sources were it would be a little bit people would be a lot more able to say that I'm just being biased against him so just take even when I say left wing sources just take that obviously with a big a massive grain of salt uh, it, perhaps it would be more rightly described as you know like centre right sources but anyway so, so this third source is the, is the New York Times and then it's Andy No tweets who is uh, Andy No is of course known for um, doxing people on Twitter and trying to investigate uh, Antifa and, and, and all those sorts of things and, and often making a big mess of things and, and put, putting out misleading videos and things like that um, I'm sure Many people are aware of him, and yeah, and and it just it just goes down. And you know, he's got it's got uh, the New York Post and Breitbart and the Oregonian. They all they all sort of come out. Uh, those those are some of the ones that are following on from that. So it's uh, yeah, again, it's 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 if you look at any of the numbers, if you even sit down and watch a single video of his, you'll see very quickly why his claims of being centre left just completely fall apart on any sort of examination. Doesn't even need to be you know, sitting down and watching 330 videos, you can just often sit down and watch one or just read the titles. Does he still present himself as a kind of center-left person? Because I know he was doing that for a long time, but there's kind of been a shift where, you know, he's more vocally, he was more vocally supporting Trump. And even before he was vocally supporting Trump, he'd always try to defend him, but in a way, like, with some distance as if he wasn't a supporter. So has the illusions of being center-left kind of gone away for him? Yeah, very much so. I mean, if, if in 2018 he was asked on a live stream, um, "Can you name five good things about Trump?" and he sort of sat there and he th- and he and he you know thought he said, uh, "Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure I can name one." And, and and I think he might come up with some like you know I I think he like gives his opinion or something like he tells it how it is. So, I don't know some, something like completely basically meaningless. Um, he really struggled with that. And then fast forward to this year, again, beginning of this year, he was saying, well, you know, Trump's definitely going to win. He's going to win a 49 state victory. Biden and Harris are throwaway candidates. And then as the year progressed, particularly after the the, the uh, George Floyd incident, when he was uh, murdered by the police, um, they he, he suddenly and, and the protests started happening. And also the coronavirus started uh, taking off. He really started that whole veneer of being, oh, you know, I'm, I'm center left or whatever. Uh, definitely started falling away. He still claimed it, but then he slowly was saying, well, you know, Trump, I I think he's got, you know, a lot of good things. I don't like his style, but I think his policies are good. And then by the end of it, he had basically endorsed Trump completely. He voted for Trump. He voted for Republicans completely down ballot. And he even donated $2,800 to, uh, to Sean Parnell, who was a Republican running in uh, Pennsylvania. And he had he had him on his podcast several times, and 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 two thousand eight hundred is the maximum sort of allowable political donation in one cycle, uh, to to one candidate, um, and yeah, so so he gave he sort of maxed out his donations for a Republican, uh, having previously given to people like um, Andrew Yang and, and Tulsi Gabbard, um, who again are <laughs> I mean someone like Tulsi Gabbard is very questionable whether she is, um, I might get some flack for this, but whether she is on the left, um, and. Yeah, so that that is that was his political evolution now, sort of completely being on Trump's side, as it were, and um, constantly. And, and since following the election, he he's been pretty clear to say, you know, Trump is, is you know Trump has lost, but you know Trump is Biden's probably going to be president. But at the same time, he's, he constantly put out videos. Every tiny like legal development, he would come out and make a video about like, oh, you know, maybe Trump will win. And at one point, when the whole the big uh, Texas lawsuit was filed, when when uh, Ken Paxton, the Attorney General of, of Texas, filed his big lawsuit, Tim May rushed out. I think I think it might, I think it was that case. Tim rushed out and, and did a video saying. Uh, 
this is it, this is going to overturn the election. And then, obviously, a few hours later, uh, the, the the news caught up because he was one of the first people to like be on that story from because Breitbart put out, put out the story. Um, a few hours later, obviously, everyone realised that it's, it's not going to happen. And then the the lawsuit was rejected by the Supreme Court. And I don't I don't even know if he made an update video, uh, but like he 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 was so ready for that to work. And and all these other developments, he in his videos he always be like, oh well, you know I don't I don't think this is going to be it. But at the same time, it comes to a point when you're pushing all these things that you have to wonder. Okay, maybe you're you're being a little bit a little bit secretive or a little bit like uh, you're you're trying to hide what you really think. Um, and so regardless, I think, of what he says, you can sometimes read between the lines a little bit to, to get his true opinions. And I mean, if we if we look at the election, um, he, as I said, he, he thought Trump would win a 49 state landslide. He said, you know, there's one video where he's like, oh, he might even win a 50 state landslide. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he 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 really was full on for Trump and, and really thought Trump was going to be the one. And, and uh, even basically any election in the last couple of years, he has called wrong. He called that election wrong. He called AOC's election wrong. He basically called uh, Ilan Omar's election wrong. And the recent Georgia election, he also called wrong. So if you would bet money, uh, and I'm probably forgetting a whole bunch of others, but if you put money on uh, the opposite to every one of his predictions, I think you would have had a pretty, you would have won some pretty nice money. I was just looking yesterday. If you would put down money on... Uh, uh, the 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 Georgia election, you would have basically doubled your money um, if you had gone again if you had voted against what Tim thought would happen. So it's <laughs> <laughs> yes. he's yeah he's not only <laughs> yeah, he's wrong. <laughs> I want to go back to what you mentioned about Tulsi Gabbard a little bit because I do think that is a really fitting comparison because you know I would have considered her like left or left liberal around 2016 you know she she right. did do something pretty brave to um stand up to the DNC for Bernie Sanders but it seems like kind of a, around the same time as Tim Pool maybe a little earlier she realized like oh I'm occupying a lane that's a little saturated you know um this kind of slightly left than the Democrats lane and and she very quickly pivoted to focusing on uh, right-wing culture war issues and I feel like that's a trend that um, I mean Tim Pool has been doing that a lot longer but he was still mm. considering him center left when he was doing like culture war bait right-wing issues so uh, do you think there's like a constituency I feel like it's more than just a guy there's like a group of people who are making this kind of switch um do you have any thoughts on that yeah i do i mean i i think i think that, that there's definitely a constituency who are i mean if, if i let, let me let me reverse a little bit because in 2016 i had become a fan of his and uh, well it, he again at that point he wasn't fully as on like completely um as as I guess insane or whatever as he is now, he he, he was not full on sort of right wing at that point. He was, it was still you know you could still have questions, um, and I think there was a lot of people. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people who who've, who've sort of told me the same story that they, you know, 2016 was I think a political awakening for a lot of different people, and I mean for me coming from the UK, I I you know as, as interested in in UK politics, I sort of I was I I wasn't very you know I wasn't politics wasn't sort of like a massive part of my my life or my thinking uh but but american politics even less so like you know i was obviously aware of of general points about it but the, the, i had no you know like detailed specific knowledge i mean now it's got to the point where like i feel like i know more about u.s politics than uk politics but and, and so i was you know going on youtube and i just saw this guy you know tim pool he was some journalist he, you know he seemed you know independent he seemed uh you know disillusioned in the same way i was about things he was um you know, he wasn't backing either party really, and he sort of, you know, was like, oh, you know, this guy, he's he's really like seen through this, like all the bullshit, all this stuff, and you sort of felt like, you know, he this this guy gets it, um, and I think a lot of people sort of identified with that as well, where they they could see like they can see there's a problem, and I think that's the problem with a lot of people, they see there's a problem, and then they just completely misidentify the cause or, or or like completely like switch the cause in their mind so it doesn't become like you know the capitalist system or whatever or it doesn't become the sort of rise of fascism or whatever in america or, or anything like that it becomes you know the, the the woke mob who are out there you know trying to trying to kill kill people for for having wrong opinions and, and stuff like that um 
and 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 so that that I think that came later with him. But I think that's always you know that's 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 always where his he was going to end up. Um, but a lot of people I think were critical of of the system of of all these different things that were going on in the world, um, and that those people some of those like you know someone someone like myself some of these other people we i guess woke up we saw that like you know tim pool's message was not the message that was that was the right one uh, and we drifted away from him while other people got completely like caught into that whirlpool um and and and, and that's i think that is the constituency that, that he's part of that's the constituency that you know i think probably tulsi gabbard is, is part of uh you know so someone like jimmy Dore, i you know he's I, I think also maybe not quite as he's he's definitely not quite as bad as, as someone like tim but i think he's like within that same ecosystem although again not 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 near not as near the center as someone like tim um and yeah i think i i definitely think that that's those people who were disaffected by the general i mean tim he calls himself a dis- disaffected liberal but i think people who are disaffected by by politics as it was um that that is the constituency that he's managed to capture and and also of course now with his being completely pro trump he's obviously got a massive right wing sort of maga sort of pro trump con, uh, uh, constituency as well so it's it's that that and then that constant balancing act between the two uh, i think is 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 perhaps increasingly going to become a problem for him uh because i think some people who are still at least partly on the left are becoming increasingly realizing oh okay this guy maybe maybe isn't isn't quite what he seems while people on the right are saying you know i thought this guy was going to be completely you know as extreme as someone like like trump or whatever and although i think tim might be in his in in some way that he really isn't on uh the stuff that he puts into world like he still will try to keep like he he won't go like the sydney powell route or the linwood route or you know the kraken lawsuit route all of that stuff that's that's not his style he still wants to give that appearance of neutrality or that appearance of being objective but perhaps having a bit of a point of view and you know going into that like complete maga into that uh, you know the donald dot win sort of that mentality uh, and presenting that information is not something that he feels i think will help his brand although i think he does definitely look there for uh, for guidance on what to cover he, like he pulls up all of these stories which are just nowhere like being covered really in the mainstream media but are complete like getting massive massive amounts of attention in those spheres um uh, sort of in, in in the online right and and he'll like push those forward and and act as a like a, a springboard or act as a microphone for those stories a megaphone whatever um but yeah it's 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 uh he he will not as i said go into into the level of of, of complete make believe yeah yeah so going off of that you know tim pool one of his skills is managing or it seems to be managing a wide audience and so one thing i want to touch on is he he's had a couple different co-hosts you know both of them with like long hair and a laid-back attitude he has a producer named lydia who talks sometimes and uh, i watched a couple of his new episodes and it seems like he has a new co-host who's more of a typical right-wing crank and i i think that he uses these co-hosts very purposefully to be almost like representatives of what he sees as audience but what so who are these regular personalities and uh what do they bring to the show yeah so tim pool he's had several co-hosts um and they he seems to still live with all of them so the first co-host that he had was uh adam krigler who he who uh, was one of the founding members of the timcast irl channel slash podcast and he was so he was he was the founding member back in, in january 2020 uh, and then about july-ish i think august july tim and him had some sort of falling out and he left the podcast i'm not entirely sure why he's never i've asked them both and neither gave uh, like a, a an, an answer to what happened. And publicly, there's been nothing. Some people speculate it could be about money, um, but I think what could also be the case is that Tim has a very bad habit of completely disregarding anything his co-hosts say. So if they say something controversial or something that he disagrees with, um, it doesn't even have to be controversial, like right-wing controversial. It could just be that they say something positive. I don't know about Bernie Sanders or something, whatever. Like he will, he'll be like, no, 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 you're wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. No, no. Um, and he's just completely dismissive of them. And I, I couldn't imagine working with him in that environment where you're constantly any thought you have is just like get denigrated and, and you're just treated like you're you're just like completely ignorant. I I couldn't live with 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 someone like that. So so perhaps that's why he left. 
Um, you mentioned Lydia. She is his producer slash like guest handler. Uh, she apparently organizes his guests, and she is she's a pretty but like she's a yes man. Um, her job seems to be to say yes, yes, Tim, that's right, or yes, yes, that's right to to everyone who's on the podcast. And at one and sometimes also when they have tech problems, which they have more often than you would think, like she'll be like crawling under tables and like jumping over desks and like climbing under to plug cables into the computers and things like that. So that's that's sort of her role. She is actually she's an interesting person. She's um, I think a lot probably a lot more right wing or a lot less like optic savvy than Tim, because she has on Twitter expressed support of Pinochet. She's been she says something like um, can't remember what the exact tweet was. But but she basically made there was a meme about like throwing people out of helicopters and she was like oh so like better better well, like better red no better dead than red or something or, or something along those lines um, not not quite that but anyway so she then blocked me once I pointed out that she's basically you know supporting a right wing di- dictator slash fascist and I've seen sort of nothing to indicate that she was joking or anything like that it's, I'm I'm pretty sure those are that's her real belief. Um, so she, yeah, she, she's, I guess, getting a bigger and bigger part as time goes on. But her job used to be just to be there to to be off camera and to say yes and um, to to people. Uh, then, so so after Adam Krigler, there was uh, Ian Crossland. He's he's sort of one of the current main co-hosts who again also lives with Tim on the compound, and he is a lot more. He's he's a fun one. He's a fun one. They uh, pe- people call him uh, Moon Lord because there's a whole video of him being like, you know, we need to mine the moon. We need to like build things to the moon. We need to save the bees. And they're like, we need to get to the moon with the bees. And it's like completely wild. He's he had quite an interesting past where he would he would say some very 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 funny things. Um, and he I think he <laughs> even though he he like says the most crazy stuff about lizard people and like all sorts of things. He's he's the most fun one I think out of the bunch and. Uh, like I think he's the, if I had to like sit down and have a beer with any of them like he's the one I'd sit down and have a beer with because uh, he, I think he's just fun um, and and like, I think he's relatively harmless um, then the other one who's like becoming a larger and larger part of it, I think I don't know if he's an official co-host or if he's just like hanging out there like living in a van in Tim's like driveway or whatever but uh, that is um, uh, Luke Rudkowski I've never, I've never had to say his name out loud, out loud really, but I think it's Luke Rudkowski he is a um, uh, how do I put it a, a conspiracy theorist uh, I think in the, in, the, in the nicest possible way he was um, he used to be called like, in I think 2012 there was like a book about him or that featured him uh, and they called him like the number one uh, 9-11 truther in New York or something he was like a major character and he, he's got all these videos where he will confront uh, world leaders and important figures in the U.S. government and U.S. military, and he will walk up to them and say, you know, 9/11 wasn't inside job or whatever, or like tell me about Building Seven, or like all, all these different things. Um, and but but he's he's just like got a whole like a whole host of different things that he espouses, and I think he's again um, probably more. Uh, he, again, he's much more uh, willing to say things that Tim would would otherwise not say, and they they've known each other for years. I don't know if they if the, if Tim met him at Occupy. Um, he hasn't. He sort of denied. I've I've asked him exactly when they met, but they met I think around that time because in 2012 they were already like like hanging out together and um sleeping in like like crashing on people's couches and stuff together. So they met sometime. I don't know if it was at Occupy or if it was just around that time. Uh, you know, just following after after the immediate like. Uh, stuff that was happening in New York, but uh, yeah, so that that's that's he's seems to be com- becoming like a, a permanent feature of the podcast. I don't know if that is the case or if that's just if he's just there for because of all this uh, stuff with the election. Um, but yeah, that's that. I think that rounds out the crew. Uh, and yeah, again, as I said, they they all seem to seem to live together on a on a big compound with a, a massive basement skate park and sort of eight bedrooms and big property with like buildings outside and, and structures outside uh with um a hundred i think it's like a hundred buckets of um of, of like survival food mre like ration type stuff uh and, and like masses of, of of bullets and guns um well maybe i don't know masses but tim has been has talked about how he's he's recently bought his guns in i think in over the summer um and he's i think sort of living that prep life he he used to live in new york then he i think moved to new jersey then he moved somewhere else and now he's moved to uh sort of near near dc but like quite out out of the way and his next plan is to move even more remote to move to a farm in i believe it's west virginia where he wants to 
set up his whole new channel and everything and uh yeah interesting yeah i i agree with you that i think um ian is the best part of the show in fact he makes it i can you know tolerate tim pool a lot longer than i can other conservative pundits and i think ian and his conversational style really contribute it to that because he doesn't have any sort of like right-wing talking points that he's echoing he might have some right-wing views but it seems like he came upon them himself yep. but um they what you were saying i kind of want to um transition to like recently tim pool has talked about he wants to reorient the content of his show and focus more on non-political content you mentioned the uh, skate park or half pipe in his basement he wants to do more like skateboard relating stuff and uh i haven't really noticed a difference in his content since then but again i don't really watch it so uh wh- what is the content he's gonna refocus on why do you think he's doing this and uh, i guess when do you think it's gonna start happening right yeah i think it's partially to do with after every election in 2017 after the 2016 election he did the same thing was like you know i need to step back from politics this is all getting too toxic for me i need to you know step back from this and then obviously he very much did not so he stepped a lot more forward and became a lot more politically engaged um and a lot more partisan um but in I think so. similar thing I think happened. He realized, you know, stuff's getting toxic. And I think he realized he just couldn't keep up with the level of conspiracy nonsense that the his, his very sort of partisan right wing people needed. Um, so in December, um, he, like after the election, he like took like two days off or something like that's the first time he had a break in ages. And, and he's been like slowing down his content a little bit. And that's for a couple of reasons. So in December, he said he's going to on, on said that he's got these three channels on the Timcast channel. He normally used to do five videos a day. He's now cut that down since December to two videos per day. So he's got more time to work on this other stuff. And all this, all this like skateboarding content, all this, what he calls, I think, cultural content, because he quoted Andrew Breitbart. He's got Andrew Breitbart, like a famous like line like called the Breitbart Doctrine, which is uh, politics is downstream of culture. And so Tim wants to really focus on that cultural content. And he hasn't he hasn't yet started. He hasn't made that public yet. He's said he's, he said to me um that he wants to start another channel with that uh, and that he wants to set up like a website where he's going to have like a $10 membership to get access to exclusive like footage and stuff. Um, and I guess there's a bit of an exclusive view. I haven't actually re- m- mentioned that publicly anywhere else. But that's what he claims that he wants to do. He wants to set up a different channel, different website and um, as I do this cultural content, which is, you know, skateboarding, going on like adventure stuff things like that and 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 attract and, and day like i don't know if a daily vlogs but like definitely some vlog content he wants to attract he said in, in this video and it was it was at the start of december he said he wants to start attracting an audience that is under 18 and so he can help you know mold them uh and sort of subtly uh, maybe he didn't say in, in in as many words, but you know, subtly mold them um, to be conservative. But I mean, the way he put it was, you know, to introduce them to you know uh, culturally right and individualistic uh, content that would uh, inspire them and that would, I guess, indoctrinate them in, it, to these certain beliefs. And he um, he specifically the reason he's doing he, he will start a whole new channel and everything and or, or that he said he wants to start a whole new channel is because he feels that youtube is very siloed it keeps you know politics it really silos that into into its own area while all these other genres you know beauty youtube and like game youtube all these, these different things they're a lot more uh i guess there's a lot more like interplay between them i think in his mind and that by uh that, that by like doing this like skateboarding and adventure content he can like subtly introduce his politics into all these different other things because he, he he says you know all of these other creators you know you watch a beauty youtuber you watch a gaming youtuber you watch a music youtuber all these people they are uh, i think he would say you know culturally left or or, or even sometimes like politically like economically left wing and he wants to be like a counter to that to make content that is uh you know coming from that 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 is again not political in a traditional sense but that indoctrinates some of those political values uh, but also that is something that's again is not out there completely like not not explicitly out there but that is sort of hidden within the messages and within the way that he and and anyone else on that channel will act and the sort of guests he will have onto onto those channels uh onto that channel onto onto this new this new content he's making so that he can reach out to these these people who are you know younger people who are not necessarily into 
politics or not into like the the stuff that he sort he does um and i i don't know I, like i i i personally think that there's there could be quite a potential for something like that to work i don't think he's particularly charismatic i don't know if he can pull it off in the same way that other people could, could pull something like that off but at the same time he has been very successful with what he's done he really understands the algorithm or is able to influence the algorithm whatever the case may be he has an understanding of what's of, of how to become successful online and i think if he turns his his mind and his his skill set to creating this other content i think like that, that there could be a potential like we're looking like three years down the line and he's got like an audience he's got like one million subscribers who are all you know like 12 to to, to 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 17 who are all like completely defending him because this is like tim pool like cool guy he's got loads of money he's got loads of chicks he's got whatever the like whatever like brand he's going to present himself as um uh, and and they will come to know him not for his politics uh but for his for this other stuff that's going to be on this channel and i i do worry about that so uh i want to get into like i guess i feel like the biggest talking point that tim pool tries to push and um i when i hear like oh he's doing other things to push people more towards his political agenda like his main political agenda seems to be pushing the idea that there's an imminent civil war and we're recording this on the morning of when the the right-wing trump supporters storm the capital of dc um it will be released later but just so you know so with that in mind um What's Tim Pool's interest in in his idea about the Civil War? Why is he so interested in it? Um, and I guess what impact is he trying to do by pushing the idea that an imminent civil war is coming? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just just look just thinking about like I've just looked on his Twitter feed. He's just put up a tweet. Oh my god! And it's people who've like broken into I guess the the Senate like room, whatever it's called um and are like standing like on the tables there like guy one guy's got a hat on looks like he might have horns on his head like they're taking pictures they've got all masks on like maga hats looking like wearing army fatigue type stuff but not really like uh, one of the the trousers and the like jacket of another person i don't know i mean it's like crazy stuff's going on like this i think this is his dream i think this is like what he's been building up for for the past few years um although i think this is again very different because so far i don't think anyone you know he i think he would think that there'd probably be more gunshots fired and that there would be you know like a antifa would be like defending the senate like out there you know antifa super soldiers like diving off the roofs like parachutes like whatever whatever stuff that he he thinks like goes on (laughs) um, has has not materialized at this point uh, as far as i i know um but the reason uh, the reason he's pushing all of that i think i think well I don't want to be like too cynical and say it's just so he can like sell this like uh you know uh, what's it called like safe and ready meals dot com whatever this like uh, same same supplier I think that Infowars uses for for these like uh, survival rations uh, and I, I I don't think I would get that cynical and say like he's doing it just to just like to build just to sell stuff like that um, but I do think there is some value in creating content that is fear based and that is emotionally grips you and that is quite paranoid I think it it, it causes you to you know you wake up in the morning you're feeling oh, what's going on and you know you know at, at I think 10 a.m or whatever he's got his first video out and you're gonna find out what these crazy liberal black lives matter antifa super soldiers have done the night before whatever the case may be you know that's what you're gonna get from him and that he's going to enforce that and I, like that's why I see his role as a bit like not a thought leader necessarily but a thought enforcer that you know someone like uh, I use the example of, of someone like Dave Rubin he I don't know how often he releases but like once a week or whatever like he releases uh, a few videos um each each week uh but someone like tim he's putting out like across all his channels hours and hours of content each week and so like if, if you're if you question someone else like someone like dave room if you question his content like you've got a few days to like question oh is that really true or oh, i'm a little bit i'm not sure about that but someone like tim like if you question something in the morning like by the evening he's already put out five more videos that completely like reinforce those same messages that he has been giving out in the morning and that he's just enforcing and sort of like shoving down your throat basically uh, and, and it doesn't give you time to like critically think and critically like evaluate the information like even me when i'm trying to keep up with him like i cannot keep up with his i now it's a lot easier with like less videos but previously i couldn't keep up with the amount of like fake news and misleading news and uh like incoherent stuff he was saying like there was just like you would need like a team of like 10 people to to to, to be like constantly watching debunking clipping him to 
to, to, to really counter the stuff he was saying. And that's what's so powerful because, you know, if, you, if, if I criticize him, if I put like a, a whole article out, I put a video out, like someone will say, oh, you're taking him out of context. Oh, you know, you didn't watch his video this morning. Oh, you know, two weeks ago he said this, he said that, he said this. And that like, it makes it very difficult to counter him because he just has so much content. He like has so many different views. Like even in some, in like one video, like at the beginning of the video, so, so like, you know, the Democrats are definitely going to lose this. And at the end, he's going to be like, ah, oh, the Democrats are definitely going to going to win this or whatever. And then like in the middle, he's going to be like, well, you know, I don't know. And it's really hard to like keep up because he doesn't have necessarily always his 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 like I think he has the emotional drive of his stories is is very consistent I think that's true and the 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 sort of background of where he's coming from that's a very consistent thing but the 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 opinions he has on specific policy points or specific events and things those do do have a tendency to change and I think having that civil war uh, type narrative having some like consistent things that you can keep hitting those same beats on. I think that helps like tie all these different things together and so I think that's partially why he might be promoting narratives like that and, and maybe I mean maybe again maybe that's even being too cynical maybe it's just because he genuinely thinks that there's going to be that, that there is an imminent civil war coming where it's going to be like Democrats fighting Republicans on the street and like shooting each other or, or like you know cities versus rural or wh- wh- whatever like his his wh- whatever factions he thinks there are in the country um, you know there's going to be a, like a war uh, I, I, I personally, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, I mean, like, when I'm seeing this capital stuff, um, you know, and seeing just how completely, like, the Republicans are denying things. I don't know. I mean, maybe Tim is, like, through all this stuff and not just him, but people like him, you know, they've created, they've created the ground for this to happen by just all these different things that they've been predicting, this false narratives they've been pushing. Um, but I, but I, I personally, where I'm standing, I don't think... Uh, if there is going to be any sort of conflict, there is going to be anything happening. I just don't see it happening in the way that I think he thinks it's going to happen. Um, and I think it's been a bit irresponsible the way some of the language he's used, particularly over the summer during the Black Lives Matter protest, where he was saying, uh, you know, they're going to come to your house. They're going to drag you out. You know, they're going to drag your parents out. They're going to, uh, you know, specifically using that phrasing of they're going to come to your house. He used that, I think, about 68 in 68 separate videos or something, something close to that and like when you're hearing that like every single day they're going to come to your house like people are going to get scared they're going to go buy, buy guns and then like if they do have like a black person or, or, or like protesters turning up to their house i think they're going to be primed to be a lot more scared and a lot more trigger happy than they would be if they hadn't like been hearing for the past like months or years there's a civil war coming in that they're going to come to your house yeah, I think like I think it is possible that there will be something resembling a civil war at some point in the U.S. But I don't think it. The way he presents it is very like what you'd imagine a civil war would be like on the news. I also obviously don't think it's nearly as imminent as it is. But like, I I just don't see the far left and far right clashing for power without um, the people who are already in power stopping both sides and they have the the ability to Mm. so um i think you're right and uh one thing i want to say is i've noticed that tim pool kind of he'll mix in seemingly left-wing sentiment um sometimes like i was watching his show the other day and he was talking about how unaffordable food is and how we should make food more affordable and i interpreted that as a left-wing view but it was very much filtered through everything seems right-wing when it's coming like his viewers perceive all of his grievances as right-wing i think or at least some of them and it also is contextualized by the fact that like you said he sells survival food that you you know the food bucket so maybe that's why he hammers that point but do you have any insight into because like how he kind of seems to mix ideologies obscure uh the impact of some you know that type of stuff do you have any insight into yeah that? i mean i think he is in some ways you could call it like reflexively anti-authoritarian i don't like i, I sort of it doesn't quite fit but basically like he will be against unless it's someone like Trump or something like then like anything Trump does is like totally okay or like when when the right does something that could be described as authoritarian it's fine but like he is um yeah he, he has these positions which i think you, you know if you're if you've got uh, i know I, I know it's a very flawed thing but if you you know the political compass test where you've got like those four quadrants like he would be i think in the like, right libertarian quadrant he's got like some um uh how do you put it? like uh, like some libertarian esque beliefs like i think he he's 
which is, I think, why a lot of these you know MAGA, MAGA people like and and also you know disillusioned leftists can be attracted to, to someone like him or in the past were attracted to him because he, some of these things are obviously right. Like he is anti-war. Uh, and that's obviously like just a good thing, to, you know, being anti-war like that is a good thing. You know, he is against, um, you know, some of the, some of these like career politicians. He's against some of these po- policies that are pushed by Republicans that are pushed by by certain Democrats as well. And like those are obviously good things. But the problem is um, he will have all this rage, all this anger at the Democrats, at the left, at anyone he perceives as being powerful in power. Uh, but then he'll have a complete blind spot for anyone he, he, he is ideologically he's emotionally whatever he's aligned with you know donald trump or um uh you know basically the 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 larger right uh political system and that makes like that that can be that can make it a little bit hard to get an exact reading of what his ideology is because as you say you know he will he will he will talk about some of these left-wing issues like i think he just today did a video about like how he's in support of i think a progressive uh taxation system um and 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 I think he does. I don't know how, like how strongly he holds to these views. I think I think ultimately he is more like he, he it, like if there was like he had to choose between like all the sort of like Trump sort of beliefs or policies over you know some of these left wing policies that he claims he's a big fan of. I personally think he would probably be more likely to lean towards the Trump ones. In fact, I think you know this, ele- this election shows that. I mean, someone like Joe Biden isn't like a radical far left Democrat communist. Like he is a complete like centrist um like person he's he's not he's not some sort of radical and yet tim goes you know you'll think well you know it sounds exactly like what tim is like you know centrist moderate sort of person again putting that in inverted commas you know and then tim is again he's also you know claims he's center-left moderate um so yeah it's hard and i think i mean maybe in some ways economically he he has got some of these left-wing positions but uh i think again culturally he is definitely, and when I say culturally, I don't necessarily mean he's like against things like gay marriage necessarily, but uh, something like you know something at that level. But definitely, you know, trans rights. He's uh, he claims he's all for, but you know, I I I really don't think he he's supportive of trans people. Um, and again, some of these some of these economic positions, which which could be read as being on the left, he is supportive of. But again, I think when push comes to shove, I don't think that is going to be where he ends up. And certainly, you know, before in 2018, when uh, AOC, when she was putting forward, I think the initial proposals about the Green New Deal, he was pretty supportive of it as a general idea. But then the moment she put out a policy, he was just completely tearing it apart. And I think that's the thing with him. He's got some of these positions which he holds as a matter, like as a, as a principle, he's like, you know, oh, you know, I support this, this is good. But then the moment there's some policy, a concrete policy for him to read through, for him to attack, for the right to attack, he immediately steps back from it and goes into attack mode. Yeah, it, I think, a, personally, I think a good way to look at Tim Pool, going off what you're saying is, you know, I'm thinking about what the phrase reactionary or the word yes. reactionary. And, like, going back to, if you look in, like, the etymology of the word, like, it goes back to uh, the Thermidorian reaction, which was basically a right-wing coup after the French Revolution. So they were the most, like, anti-left anti-revolution or i guess anti-radical members of the revolutionary class they were like the right-wing capitalists um and and in that sense that they were like reacting to the left wing and i think that's a really people say reactionary a lot but i think that's a really good word to describe him because it's all based in like a negative reaction to uh the left yeah, I think that's. I, I think that's. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's the, the probably the perfect description of him. I think he is, uh, you know, as you said, it, it can be often a misused term. You know, same with things like fascist or whatever. But I think with him, it is just completely. I think reactionary is is is, is a great label for him. Yeah, and like it's not even like he because some people times people use reactionary to mean just more right wing than a conventional conservative. Yeah. But in ways he he is not actually right wing. Like you said, he's anti war, but he is more reactionary. Um, and I think the ultimate impact is a strictly right wing one, even if he may ha- hold some other beliefs. Like he isn't making anyone turn left from presenting an occasional left-wing argument yeah that's the thing i mean he will he will he will present all this evidence all these stories all these anecdotes all this uh emotional 
baggage well i guess i don't know it might not be the right language but all this like emotional content that is pushing people right that's favoring the right-wing narratives and um then he will say i guess you know intellectually he'll say yes i support this left-wing position but he'll never like go through like why this is a brilliant policy or defend anyone or promote anyone who's like holding this policy being like you know this person is promoting this policy and you know they're they're great and i'm, I'm gonna lend my support behind them i'm gonna support their message or whatever um yeah other than as as, as we said earlier tulsi gabbard um and so so he as yeah he he's got these he he will have these intellectual positions but he will never give any backing to them and as you say no one can watch him and be pushed left like the only thing you can do is either stay where you are uh, or be pushed right um there's no there's n- n- none of his content is is something that's going to make someone be like oh you know these these this Bernie Sanders or you know or this, these 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 socialists whatever you know maybe they've got a point that's just not what they're getting from him and uh, that's just not what he's out there to do regardless of, of, of whatever claims he may or may not make about what his actual positions are or what he thinks his content is doing. Yeah, and I want to go back to the uh, protests with George Floyd. We can wrap up uh, in a minute. But so uh, I always think of that in the U.S. There was a uh, guy named Irving Crystal, and he was kind of a prominent, the dad of a, uh, is it Bill Crystal, the the neoconservative? But Irving Crystal was a Trotskyist in the sixties, uh, and he was pretty well renowned. But as soon as the civil rights protests broke out, that really spooked him, and he ended up becoming like a forefather of what would become the neoconservative movement. And uh, I mean, I see that a lot with the George Floyd protests where people even more left wing than Tim Pool ever was. Uh, like I'm thinking of Matt Taibbi. He had a very reactionary response to the uh, protests. Um, and it seemed like ever since Matt Taibbi has been drifting more and more right wing. We don't have to talk about that. But um, I guess it really goes to show that a lot of people turn to the right in response to um, black people trying to protest. But uh, to wrap up, I want to juxtapose um, Tim Pool's reaction to the George Floyd protests to his seemingly gleeful reaction to these uh, right-wing protests at the Capitol. Like I said, it's happening right now, but he does seem very gleeful about it. What do you anticipate his reaction will be, and why do you think he's kind of a hypocrite when it comes to protests? I mean, that might speak for itself, but... Yeah, I mean, I think what's going to happen with him, he's going to, you know, come out with. Uh, I mean, I wonder how many, like, how many videos he's he's going to make out of this. Like, maybe his schedule is suddenly going to be like ten videos in one day. Like, this is, I think, this is what he's like lives for. This, this is, this is like the moment that he's like. I think, I think he's going to milk the situation. He's probably going to come out. And again, like you know, bear in mind for future listeners, this is this is you know this is still happening. Like, this is breaking news. Like, a whole lot of things can change. Um, but I think he's going to come out. He's going to like put a video being like, "Wow, look at these scenes we've just had at the Capitol," you know. And then he's going to be like, "I completely condemn, you know, people violence or whatever, like what, that sort of stuff." And then you know, and but but like these police, they they shot this MAGA person. I think you know this is we we see a new a new a new alignment in politics. We've got the left hating the police. We've got the right hating the police. And now they're all attacking the government buildings and and i think this is going to be like the elites versus like the the people and i think this is like like a whole thing and it's going to be a a civil war whatever like he this is he's going to he's going to completely condemn i think or or at least at some level any violence or anything that's happening but at the same time he's going to um i don't know if he's going to run cover for these people necessarily i I think again i don't think he would go that far and be like oh you know these people are um, are misunderstood or, or like this is they they this is a good thing that they've done. I, like, I don't think he is that sort of person. Like, I think he, like he will be, be like, oh, you know, this shouldn't have happened or whatever. But he's definitely going to milk the situation as it is and turn it into this narrative that he's been building about these, um, you know, the people versus the powerful or something, and and how like the far left and the far right are coming together and and mel- melding together, and how really there's just like the rational centrist like him or whatever. I I don't know. I like I feel like that's probably what's going to happen. And and but, but I think your your point like about um people being progressive and, and and then like you know seeing black people fighting for their rights and completely like turning about face. Like that is that is that is that is I think describes Tim to a T. He you know he was at the at the Occupy Wall Street protest and there was there was actually 
even then, like I've spoken to people who knew him then, I've, I've read a lot of the contemporaneous coverage. He was, he became fairly disliked by the protesters, by the other people who were live streaming there because he was building, again, even, even then, you know, like he was building narratives which were not necessarily true to what was on the ground. And he was, you know, filming people doing some direct action, which they didn't necessarily want to be filmed. Uh, and, and he was just causing friction between the different people there. And, and but again, I think, I think uh, he was still like generally in favor of the Occupy Wall Street movement. Um, and then he went to Ferguson in 2000, what was it, 2014 or something. He made an excellent documentary there. Um, but in uh, uh, 2016, there was some protests in Milwaukee. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact story, but I think there was, a, a, a again, I think a police officer um, shot, 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 shot a black man there. And Tim was there and then he so he he pulled out and he said you know uh, I think is it this him I think yeah for for those who are perceivably white it's just not safe to be there and he I don't know if he was attacked or people were rude him or anything like that uh, but he just realised that he shouldn't he claimed he realized like he shouldn't be there it's just not safe for him there and i think seeing that i think if you look at that um that's again that was in august 2016 that is about when he went independent when he left this company he was working for fusion and that might have been i think a real catalyst moment for him to start moving towards the right again just seeing these 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 protests uh and then the george as i said the george floyd uh protests and the black lives matter protest i think that was then again pushing him over the edge you know seeing black people you know fighting for for for, for their rights fighting for uh, to just basically not be shot by the police and fighting like structural and systemic racism like fighting all these different forces uh you know and he is sitting there like just seeing you know andy no clips into his brain and and, and like sitting on like right-wing forums all day uh getting a completely misleading and heavily dramatic and and biased narrative and that i think i think that those like i th- I think part of him i don't want to call him a racist because like uh, I, I don't know if that's actionable but like i definitely think he harbors some uh racist uh beliefs yeah absolutely and i i think that's a good place to start wrapping up i'll leave with one last question i guess um Tim Pool, he interests me. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Like I said, he's one of the only right-wing pundits who I feel like I can tolerate at least for a little bit. Um, so where do you see Tim Pool's career going? Do you think he's still rising? Do you think he's going to penetrate to a more mainstream audience? It's really difficult for me to ever see his show on TV. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, where do you see his future and his impact on the broader society? society? Yeah, that's hard to say, because I think a lot depends on what happens in the next few months. I think he's definitely trying to build this new niche for himself. He's trying to as I said, expand into this culturally right-wing content. He's trying to, I think, maybe step away from some of this audience that he's built because he just knows he can't be as extreme as them. Um, and I think uh, um, he, he, if this like other YouTube channel works out for him, like if it's successful, I definitely can see him gaining more mainstream relevance and more mainstream entering more mainstream culture or i guess maybe not mainstream culture in the sense you know he's not he's not gonna be on like fox news or, or cnn like any you know stuff like that he's not gonna have like a you know like a, something like that but he might but when i say mainstream culture maybe mainstream internet culture um in, in a much more uh active sense you know like i'm trying to think like who, who like who else i could compare him to but um in some ways he's, he's incomparable but he's he's going to uh, uh, like i think if that works out that could def i can definitely see him becoming a more mainstream figure uh, and more and, and gaining more audience on the other hand he could now after this election and like after the right seems to be having infighting and frag- fragmentating uh, fr- fragmentating <laughs> uh like they're, they're, they're splitting apart a bit I can definitely see him being like caught between a rock and a hard place, not sure where to go, and that eventually leave, leading to a drop in views. Um, on the other hand, he's got a quite dedicated audience. You know, show up for all his live streams. They they donate thousands of dollars each night, um, and and there's some people who really take him seriously, and I'm massive fans of him. So you know, I think that core audience now he will he will definitely keep, but I don't know if he will continue. You know, if we're looking forward into next year. I don't know if he's going to be this time next year uh, the the same. I don't think he's going. He might not be the most viewed YouTuber anymore, um, unless he can find some way to capture back his audience because his views are dropping. They have dropped since November, um, and which is again partially a function of him making less videos. But I don't know if that's necessarily 
the only reason and you know maybe also he saw the views were dropping on his own internal sort of analytics and then realized that you know that it just wasn't worth making the same amount of videos so he dropped his schedule and, and that's obviously then led to another drop in view so i don't know like if that's going to be a spiral or if he's going to stabilize and then build up again and if this other channel that he's launched is going to work i mean he has of course launched another channel which is scanner he launched i think last in 2019 uh which was uh it's it used to be called subverse and then there's sort of a legal dispute or a potential legal dispute between him and his brother about the brand name his brother sort of claimed he stole it it's it's all a bit these are all like allegations i should chuck a big like allegedly over everything there uh there was some whatever the case may be there's some dispute between them and then the name changed to scanner and he and tim wanted that to become a much more legitimate like alternative news uh channel like in the vein of something like vice i suppose uh but that didn't hasn't worked out very well because they had some left-ish sort of people who were doing presenting segments and they were like doing documentary type stuff and and, and like the audience who were, who had been watching that channel who had been because he had initially been doing videos on there they turned on it they they weren't fans like they mass downvoted videos and and the views and subscribers dropped on that channel massively so you know maybe that like that could be potentially where this new channel ends up also just not doing well because people aren't getting their fix they're not getting the outrage fix that they want from him on the other hand as i've said you know this timcast IRL channel this podcast channel has been doing very well and has been gaining an audience uh you know maybe he's trying to position himself now that joe rogan is on spotify maybe he's trying to fill the joe rogan niche uh, on his podcast so maybe while his other channels do less well his podcast is going to continue to grow and this new channel um with I said more cultural content maybe that channel will also grow so i i it's it's like we're, we're, we're like definitely like at a crossroads in his career like that will definitely like look, if we look back five years time we'll definitely say like this moment was a real another real defining moment of his career you know occupy was probably the first moment then working at vice infusion was another then going independent was the third uh then being invited being sent to sweden by jo- paul joseph watson or having his trip to sweden funded then uh, that's another thing and then the appearing on joe rogan in 2019 that was like another big defining moment and i think then uh probably maybe the george floyd protest that was probably the 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 nearest moment and then now we've come to like another chapter that has ended or that's beginning or that is uh leading into the future in some way and i can't exactly at this moment predict which way it's going to go but i think whatever happens like he's going to have some relevance for the next few years and it's going to be very interesting to see what he manages to accomplish going forward yeah it's been interesting because i've noticed the past few weeks few months i guess uh, a lot of uh, pundits personalities people like tim pool trying to refocus or reorient where they're going to take their content under biden and it seems like tim pool's strategy is um he seems a lot more savvy on how to strategize stuff like that than other people um so i but on the on the same at the same time uh Right-wing pundits have an exceptionally short shelf life. I feel like they last about four years before they're done a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so I think that's definitely happened to Dave Rubin. You know, he was, he he had he had like a like a real rise, a meteoric rise. Like everyone was talking about him. Then he like I think I think him releasing his book I think earlier this year. I think that was basically that finished him. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think he's obviously got his whole career. Like he's doing very well for himself. But I don't think he has that same uh necessarily relevant that he, that he that he used to have and i think tim you know he's he's probably also co- he's either coming up to his expiry date or he is going to have to reinvent himself and which he has obviously done quite successfully over the over the years and um you know this version of him might die but you know who knows what this what new version is going to rise from the ashes of the the 2020 election <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think that is a good place to stop. I really appreciate you being on the show. Do you want to tell people where they can find you online, how they can learn more about Tim Pool from you? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Tim Pool Clips. I have also got a website, which is grifter.news. That is spelled G-R-F-T-R dot news uh you if you type in timpoolclips.com or, or grifter.news just spelt out normally i think they should both redirect to that uh and i i put, I 
got some got articles like debunking some of his claims on there. I've got a uh, one of the recent things I posted was Rise of the Grifter, Tim Pool biography, which is like a Wikipedia type style article, which I'm I'm constantly going to be updating, which is goes through you know right from his early days to his occupied to to the current day, just chronicling all all the events in his life and and putting the important thing is is like putting links to sources and stuff, and some of them have been quite obscure. And yeah, I've also got a uh, a Patreon if people want to subscribe to that to, uh, you know, get 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 some like Tim Pool stuff, like some of this stuff early. I've also got that, which is uh, to patreon.com slash uh, forward slash Tim Pool uh, clips. And yeah, that's that's basically the main places I am online. Just, you know, give me a follow on Twitter. Feel free to DM me if you know Tim Pool, if you've got any thoughts or you just want to chat. And yeah, that's that's basically it. And I and thank you very much for for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure uh despite some interruptions which the audience might might not have noticed when my computer crashed halfway through but yeah thank you for having me <laughs> yeah thank you and for the listeners you can follow the show on twitter this show at society underscore show or you can follow me personally at christian is cool is is spelled iz uh thanks again tim pool clips really appreciate it thank you very much have a good day you too. Till next time, take care of yourself and each other. On the next Arrested Development. Why'd you put the bananas in there? George likes the bananas! So let him have bananas on the side! All right. I'm not taking antidepressants. It's stated right in the memo, Bin Laden to steal planes and run them into buildings. Blind monks in the catacombs guard the stone. And that kid with a backpack said radical. I say radical. That's my thing that I say. I feel like I'm gonna explode here. That is nasty. As a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust.